Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome into what will certainly be an overreaction Monday edition of the Lombardi line, right? Recapping (laughs) what was a hectic week six in the NFL, and it's not over yet. We got Cowboys Chargers still on tap tonight in prime time. That voice you heard, it is, of course, the three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, and Michael, I'm just going to throw this out at you. I thought that the script writers were all on strike right now because you're telling me that the juggernaut San Francisco 49ers lose as a double-digit favorite to a backup quarterback, that Jalen Hurts is going to throw three picks in a game that Zach Wilson throws none, and that the Buffalo Bills need, like, everything possible to be just a beleaguered, walking, wounded Giants team. Help me understand what happened yesterday. It was crazy. And, and then can I throw that the Carolina Panthers had a 14 yes. nothing lead <laughs> and still didn't cover? Want to throw that in there? Unbelievable. I mean, look, this was finally it happened, Stormy. The, the, the house has been losing for a while, right? We know that this has been the most profitable five weeks going into for the season. I think you have to go back to 09 was the date. Yesterday, the book settled all family business, if you will. The Jets had 10% of the money won. Raiders, 7% won. Houston, 11% won. Jacksonville, 13% won. Cleveland, 25%, and one. And so it comes back to what the great Burt Bell once said, on any given Sunday, we will find it. But the 49er Cleveland game was the one that you just shake your head on because we thought that P.J. Walker would not play well. He throws two picks. He has one pass for 58 yards. His next longest pass of the day is 11. But what we didn't count on is that the Browns were going to be able to run the football effectively on a very good 49er defense, and that the 49ers, as we said, Kyle Shanahan's kryptonite is Jim Schwartz. And it proved out to be true. 
Yeah, I I think that it was mission accomplished when it comes for that Browns defense being for real, have now held all five opponents this year under 300 yards, allowed just 215 to San Francisco, the fewest total yards the 49ers have had in a regular season game under Kyle Shanahan, period. And usually I feel like when we talk about the San Francisco 49ers, we talk about them as being the more physically dominant team. They got out physicaled by the Cleveland Browns yesterday, which I think is important to note. Yeah, they did. I mean, the Cleveland, look, Cleveland turned it over. They made mistakes, but they found a way to be in the game, and the Niners had their opportunity. Look, the last drive of the game, Purdy was sensational. He was never going to cover for you, but he was going to maybe win the game, and unfortunately they missed the kick at the end of the game. So I think it's one of those where you just say, okay, that's what it is. I said this on the GM Shuffle. I think the Miami 72 Dolphin. They don't have anything to worry about. I think it's really hard to go undefeated in the NFL with social media, with the constant attention, travel, all these things that go into it. It, I don't think that 14-0 record, the 16-0 or 17-0 that they've achieved winning the Super Bowl is ever going to get challenged. I mean, you can rank that up with DiMaggio's hitting streak, Al Michaels' tie, the whole thing. It's just way too consistent. So it's a good thing. The bigger issue is Philadelphia, Lane Johnson. Right. They got, you know, they lose him and they kind of fell apart a little bit with their offensive line. They don't have a backup tackle that can go over there. They're 84, 48 and one when Johnson starts. And when he doesn't play, they're 13 and 22. And yesterday that line, especially the right side, got pushed back. And then Christian McCaffrey, is he going to be healthy? I think the Niners become a different team when McCaffrey's not in there. They can overcome Debo not playing. They can do that but they can't overcome the way they operate right now. They can't overcome with McCaffrey because he's so much part of the fabric of the offense. Well, and that's why when we were talking about MVP odds last week, right? And there was all the talk about Brock yep. Purdy and the way that his odds had shrunk. I kept on going back to, well, McCaffrey, I, I know it's a quarterback award, but McCaffrey sitting there as an even longer long shot He's the guy that I feel like this offense really needs. If you're talking most valuable, most important key cog, like he's a lot of what makes that offense move. So unfortunate to see him go down, dealing with an oblique injury, Debo the shoulder. So the loss is costly in more ways than one for San Francisco. And you mentioned it coming down to that that field goal. I am moody about the injuries and I am more <laughs> moody about this kicking situation, Michael, because I was sitting, I was sitting right here at Circa watching the way that the end of that game unfolded. And as soon as we were put as soon as the 49ers, excuse me, were put in a situation where it was coming down win or lose this game based on a field goal and based on the leg of Jake Moody, I immediately knew that the game was over, like the game was lost because he doesn't have the gene. He doesn't have the clutch gene. Jake Moody just doesn't. And so hate to see that's the way that this game ends. But I keep on going back to it being still a good loss in my mind because you're coming off of what was an emotional dominant win against a Cowboys team that even despite recent history, you still think of as a rival historically on the road, bad weather have two really rough calls that go against you. Um, Your key offensive weapons injured, your offensive line struggles. Trent Williams goes down as well. Um, And you're still in a position at the end of the game to potentially win it. So I I think like you mentioned, you know, it's hard to go undefeated. Probably wasn't going to happen anyways. That's a loss that, that I'll take as a 49ers fan, but now let's push that forward uh, again to the Eagles loss as well, because the other undefeated goes down against the jets. And uh, as Robert Sala said, post game, they ain't 12 and 0 no more when it comes to the historical wins that the Eagles have had against the jets Um, 20 to 14, your final, despite Philly leading 14, three early in this game, Michael Jalen hurts turns the ball over three, 
three times, tied for the most interceptions in his career in a single game and as a team, only able to rush for 33 yards. If you would have told me at halftime that they were only going to score, they were not scoring another point the rest of the day, I would have said you're crazy, right? You know, and and this is a game where, kind of a funny game, right? Washington beats Atlanta, gives up 400 yards of offense, but wins the game by eight. This is a game the Jets don't really run the ball effectively. They really don't make very many plays in the passing game. They get sacked five times. But Wilson doesn't turn it over, yeah. and they're able to hang in there. I mean, the last interception by Hertz is was really bad. They're playing zone coverage. He stares down the in cut, and, you know, and then the Jets score, right? They score so quickly that you're like, oh, my God, why did they do that? You know, and I know it gave them yeah. a, a, a lead – that, but you could have been tied. I mean, they left way too much time on the clock. Fortunately, that front, which because of the right side of that ego offensive line, was able to cash in and make it a lot harder for Hurts. But one throw to A.J. Brown, and you could have been right. That game could have been tied. I mean, Brown was sensational. He had 131 yards. He made that unbelievable catch over there by the Jet bench. So, look, the Eagles needed it. They're not a hundred. Their their health needs to get. They need to get better. We know their secondary is not good. They didn't have Slay. Yeah. They didn't have Jalen Carter, and they didn't create a turnover. And when you're minus three in the turnover takeaway, you're going to lose. Plus, we don't even count this, right? Elliott misses a 37 yard yep. field goal, so they're minus four in the takeaway. And the Jets kicker made every field goal. Jake Elliott missing that field goal, Michael. He, prior to that, had made 39 straight from 37 and in. He hadn't yeah. missed one at that distance in the last three years. So that was significant, obviously, for them to miss in that spot. For the Jets, though, especially like with the weapons that they were missing in the secondary yesterday defensively to play as well as they did, three and three right now with wins over Buffalo and Philly, nearly pulled it off against Kansas City. Like that, I think, based on how tough their opening start of the schedule is, would have been impressive if they had Aaron Rodgers, um, but they don't have him. They are down Elijah Veritaka, Vera Tucker and some other offensive line injuries. And and last night, like I said, with the secondary. So, I mean, how happy are you if you're the Jets and you're three and three right now? And then you have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball on the field pregame without crutches and without a boot on. Well, I think what you got to be really happy is about is that, you know, week one, you forced four turnovers. Then you went you went silent and you didn't force any. And that's kind of was the trend last year. They could only force two turnovers in the last nine games. And in the last three games, they have forced nine turnovers. They have gotten after the pass, have created turnovers. This was the best run defense that they've played all year, which I don't know where it came from, but it just it, it was startling that they played this good of run defense. Again, the Eagles' offensive line was beat up. And this is – look, the Eagles defensively, they haven't forced a turnover in three weeks. Yeah. Like, they got Miami coming to town, right? If they don't force Miami a turnover – it's going to be hard. Now, they'll keep, they'll score with Miami. There's, Miami's defense is not very good, but it'll be a challenge. They're going, to have to, they're going to have to be disruptive within the pocket, and then they have to run the ball. I mean, every time the Eagles win, they got to run the ball. Against New England, they ran for 97 yards. That's a five-point win. Had a chance to lose that game. They only had 17 first downs, right? This game, you know, they, they run the ball for 80 yards, and really the Eagles should have won the game. They just didn't make the play. Turned the ball over. Credit the Jets. Yeah, Eagles looking ahead to that game next week on Sunday Night Football, laying two and a half points, uh, hosting Miami, total 52 and a half. Um, Interesting note as well as we just kind of close out the conversation on that Eagles-Jets game. The Jets' defense now, because I talk about the success that they've had here early in the season despite all of their issues, has held Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen 
to a combined three touchdowns and eight interceptions. So when they have played the better competition, they've stood tall. Yep. Yeah, they have. And, and you know, look, as, if they can avoid turning the ball over, if that's what they can do, they don't even need to be. That's what we said when Rodgers got hurt. But, you know, they go into Dallas and they have four turnovers. A lot of them were in the second half when the game was over. The Chiefs game. You know, the Chiefs, for all the conversation about how well they played the Chiefs, the Chiefs ran the ball out with seven minutes to go in the game, right? The Chiefs, the, the Jets never got the ball back when it was 23-20. They never could get the ball back. And then in the Denver game, that's a 21-24. See, I don't think we can overreact to the Jets' win here. I think we mm. got to hold our horses. And everybody said, well, you're a Jet hater. No, wait a minute. <laughs> The, the Denver scores 24-21 when Russell goes and, and just fumbles the ball, right? This is 14-3, and the Eagles let you back in. Credit the Jets, yeah. I don't think you need to overreact to the Eagles' loss or the Jets' win. Fair. The Jets, meanwhile, do have a bye this week, and when they return, they are playing in their home building, but it's technically at the Giants, so that at least they'll have an interesting uh, opponent to face. Speaking of which, when we return, let's talk a little bit about what happened with the Giants on Sunday night. Two critical plays don't go their way at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. We'll discuss that, and a Lions team that is looking more and more for real by the day. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started here on the Lombardi Line. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in to Hour 2 of the Lombardi Line alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond, and Tony with you. Monday's always a big show here. We're recapping what was a busy, hectic, fun Week 6 in the National Football League. Undefeateds no more for San Francisco as well as the Philadelphia Eagles despite being big favorites yesterday. The Bills also a big favorite. They barely get it done on Sunday night against the walking, wounded New York football giants in Miami. Down 14-0 early, but no sweat. They turned on the boosters, end up winning by 21 Michael yesterday was an interesting day and there's a lot to unpack so I guess off the top here what were some of your big takeaways some big statements made how'd you feel about week six well I thought week six was a bad red zone week for a lot yeah. of teams right I think there was a lot of teams that had it play games that were probably too close than they should have but they did and uh you know so that was I thought Detroit made a statement you know everybody says Detroit on the road a lot of people thought Tampa would be a good team to play. Every time you think you want to play Tampa against a good team, don't. I thought Derek Carr, inability to score in the red zone, has killed the Saints. Everybody's been complaining about the Saints offense and Pete Carmichael not knowing how to call plays. And yet, you know, they put 400 yards. They can't get the ball in the red zone. The kicker misses two kicks. C.J. Stroud continued to play well, I thought, all week. And then, you know, the late games were fun. We didn't talk about the rams Cardinal game, but... That game kind of went the way we thought it would. The longer it went, the less the Cardinals had a chance to win. And the reality of it is, is the Rams got going in the second half. And when you think about it, they just took the game over and they were able to win it going away. And that was a good win for Survivor players as well, which unique to see a division game where you're taking you're picking a side and that being the biggest selection in Survivor but that's how it was this week at Circa the Rams end up getting through for folks win and cover is a 7 point favorite and I feel like Michael I don't know I feel like there were more like letdowns in my mind this week than monster performances where we're praising a lot of teams it was more like huh that didn't really look the way that I was expecting it to look this week or the way that it should look this week. And I know for the Philadelphia Eagles specifically, like that's a team that's kind of been skating by a little bit recently. We thought that they were improving, but to see the turnovers that they had to have the 14, three lead early and then fall away. They did against the jets. That was one where I was just like, you should have won this game. What, were, what, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah. I mean, and then the, the late turnover too. all the mistakes they make, right. Third and eight, as Thomas Gable said, if they run the ball there, they may be able to just win the game without having to do anything. And then they turn it over there. And then they turn it over there. So that's kind of got you saying, okay, what's going on? You know, like, what are they doing? But look, they lost two of their linemen. You know, they knew going into the game they were going to be playing with the backup right guard. And then Lane Johnson gets hurt and they yeah. have to go. Now they've got two backups in the game. That was a problem for them. So with Jurgen's injury, Cam Jurgen's injury, not in there. And then all of a sudden, they don't have it. Now they're backups. And Hertz obviously was problematic. He couldn't really – he started to get a lot of pressure. And then at the end of the day, really, the Jets, for the first time all year, they played great run defense. They really forced the Eagles to have to throw it more than they wanted to throw it. And 
they were able to put pressure on Hurts. Yeah, three interceptions for Hurts tied for the most in his career. His seven interceptions through six games, more than he had all of last season. So see if he can do a better job protecting the football moving forward. Uh, some notable injuries. You mentioned Lane Johnson, but for the San Francisco 49ers, both Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel end up going down, expected to get some MRI results, hopefully early this week. We did just get an update on Justin Fields, who had to leave the Bears game early. He was confirmed by Matt Everflus at his press conference moments ago that it is a dislocated thumb. He is doubtful for the game this weekend coming up against the Raiders said it's going to come down to grip strength. And then the Raiders, meanwhile, on the flip side, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo had to be taken to the hospital in an ambulance with a back injury, which that's not something we're used to seeing either, Michael. Yeah, I mean, look, it, this is going to be a this is going to be a tough one because even if he can play, you know, Gripping that football is going to be a challenge, and getting it hit again could be a problem. I, I think they might list him as doubtful on Monday. There's no chance he's going to play on Sunday. And this is a little bit of the situation you get into as well because, you know, it's not one of those where, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to run. you got to change the offense a little bit depending mm -hmm. on who's going to play. And I think that becomes an issue too, right? So we know Fields won't be practicing Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday probably. And so that means they need to get Tyson Badgett ready to go. You know, they got Nate, Nathan Peterman on the team. He's hurt. And Badgett's the only healthy quarterback they have right now. So figure it's going to be Badgett going in there and see if they can run the football against the Raiders. But they have both their running backs are hurt right now. Yeah, it didn't look awesome for Badgett. That's a that's the way I'll put it for there. They're getting three at home hosting the Raiders in that spot. Also, Thursday night football, quarterback injury potentially impacting there. Trevor Lawrence uh, believed to have avoided major injury with that knee. Doug Peterson calling him day-to-day -day in his press conference as of now. Ryan Tantahill, he'll get a bye, but he was carted off with an ankle injury in London, so some time to figure out that situation as well. Yeah, um, and the Jags, we got to pay attention to the Jags. It's early. The lines, the, the 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 Saints are favored by a point and a half, which is shocking, right? Maybe ones in some market. Yep. But Sheriff, one Brandon Sheriff, Kings. the guard. Yep. Uh, Sheriff, the the guard got hurt. Walker Little got hurt in the game. Zay Jones is not healthy, so they've got a lot of guys hurt on their team right now, and and they're on a short week. Meanwhile, I don't think the Saints got anybody hurt, and we'll see if the Saints can make any plays at home. Let's push this forward to Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Mm -hmm. We got the Cowboys visiting Los Angeles, taking on the Chargers. One and a half point spread there with the visiting Cowboys favored. Total up from 47 and a half to now 50 and a half. And so this Chargers team is coming off a bye. They're getting healthier. Speaking of quarterbacks, Justin Herbert has a broken middle finger on his non-throwing hand, but he's not expected to be limited in any way. And the Cowboys... Coming off a beatdown, they got embarrassed in primetime last week against the San Francisco 49ers. How do you expect them to respond in this spot under the lights once again? I think they have to They'll respond well because here's why. When McCarthy can run the football, they're a better team. And they couldn't run the ball against San Francisco, which he's got to sit there and watch that Browns tape and say, wait a minute, they ran the ball, the Browns ran it against them? So Mike Solari, the offensive line coach, and McCarthy are going to have to figure out how to run the ball on San Francisco. But you're also tonight going in, you can run the ball on the Chargers. I don't think Joey Bosa is going to play. It doesn't sound like it by reading the tea leaves. So if he doesn't play and, you know, you can run the ball inside, I know Eckler's going to play. But if they can run the ball, that opens up the offense for the, for the Cowboys. And McCarthy's play sheet 
McCarthy needs to run the ball. You can criticize his play calling and you can say his offense is boring. All those things may and may well not be true. But running the football, when they are doing that well, they're a better football team, the Cowboys. And I think they will run the ball tonight. And I think they'll play well tonight. I really do. I think they were embarrassed last week. They see the Eagles losing. Mm -hmm. Here's a chance to pick up a game. Get back into the race a little bit. You let this one slip away. There's not going to be too many times you're going to go in there and catch the Eagles losing. I think for both of these teams, it's it's a pretty critical weekend, Michael, because Dallas, to your point, trying to make up some of that ground in the division, capitalize on the moment with Philly going down, and then the Chargers, this uh, AFC West battle with the Kansas City Chiefs, if you lose this game, that's just going to become a bigger, bigger hill for you to climb. You mentioned Joey Bosa from an injury standpoint. He's officially listed as questionable, did not practice on Thursday or Friday of this week, was listed as limited on Saturday. Donald Parham also questionable for the Cowboys. The, the definite outs, no Leighton Van Der Esch or CJ Goodwin and Austin Eckler, to your point, no designation. He practiced all week coming back from the high ankle that he suffered the open week of the season and and the Chargers haven't run the ball as effectively since that game like that was the most yards that they had had on the ground since week one of last season and of course a reliable pass catcher for Justin Herbert as well without Mike Williams for the year he's going to be really really critical to the Chargers success in, in terms of the way that this game has been bet according to our, our vcin.com betting splits page 71% of the handle is coming in on the Cowboys Michael ticket count a more even split still 58% of the money on Dallas Yet this line has moved in favor of the Chargers down from two and a half to one and a half. So perhaps a little smart money here. Uh, I, I use that term smart, you know, loosely, obviously, yeah. in some of these spots. Yeah. But uh, on Los Angeles in this spot, actually, tonight. I, I love that. I love that term. Smart money, sharp money. You yeah. know, like, I don't know what gets you in that category, because like yesterday, the sharp money was all over Tampa lost. Yesterday, the sharp money was all over the New Orleans, me included, lost. You know, so I don't know what that that just means. Somebody's algorithm says that should be the play. I don't know. I, I think, look, the Cowboys can block them up front and they'll be able. CD Lamb will get going. They'll get him going. The question's going to be is what can Justin Herbert do in the second half? I mean, when you really go over his numbers, Stormy, and you study him in the second half, that second half game against against the Raiders was not good. Right, he did not move the ball. The Raiders came back into that one, and they were able to to make it a game. They're throwing interception on the on the on the what one yard line. So when you go, and he's really good in the first half, but in the second half, in terms of covering spreads, in terms of he doesn't hold a lead. I mean, think about this number now. He's seven twenty four and two in in seven and twenty four and two in the second half against the spread when leading at halftime. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Now, you want to blame him or you want to blame my man, Staley? You decide. This is also the joystick game, Michael. Yeah. Can't forget about that. No, and I think there should be somebody from in a game. Like, we should probably get, like, uh, you know, whoever whoever does the Madden game probably should do the coin toss, too. <laughs> you know, whoever invented EA Sports should do the coin toss, right? That's excellent. Don't you think? That's excellent. I mean, um, we should have that. But just think about this now, Stormy. Half halftime tonight. Remember this: he's seven twenty four and two against the spread when leading at half. Justin Herbert, and he's a really good player. So tell me how good Staley is. I know he's analytical. So why would we look at those analytical numbers? They don't apply to him. 
Michael, I do have the Chargers in the con- as a contest play this week, so you're not making uh, me feel particularly confident. Yeah, I'm rooting for you because uh, Russo has the Cowboys tonight, so I'm definitely rooting for you. Okay, there we go. Step into my office is next. You won't want to miss it. Now, I mentioned off the top of the show, there were some, let's call it wonky performances in the NFL yesterday, and quite frankly, some in college football as well. So there are some people that need a talking to. If it is your first time joining us on the Lombardi line, this is the time of the show where we have those people step into the office of Mr. Michael Lombardi. Michael, are you ready to hit some people with some hard truths? Love to hear you it. Bet. Let's do it. The appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? Got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business time. You and me had a private talk when you step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. Brock Purdy, it's not personal. It's not personal, but... For the first time, it turns out he is not AI. He is not a robot or a machine. Brock Purdy is human. He finished the game yesterday, their first loss of the season, 12 of 27 for 125 yards. A touchdown had his first interception of the year, his first regular season loss as a starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Did see two of his key weapons go down in the game. Michael lost Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey at key points, still awaiting MRIs for their future. What should Brock Purdy take away from this loss? If he's sitting down at the desk right now, how are you how are you informing him that he should respond? Well, that was the best defense other than yours that you're going to see all year. And you led the team back, had him in a position to win the game. You fought through adversity. I was proud of you. I thought you did a hell of a job. Everybody's counting on you to throw four picks and lose the game. I know the weather was hard. I know the wind was challenging, but I thought you did everything you could do. And I think you reinforced yourself to your teammates. And now I think you can really take command of the team and take ownership of the team because it's on your shoulders. Whenever you lead a team back and put them in position to win the game, especially with limited amount of time left on the clock, you're going to endear yourself to your teammates. This is one of the problems Mac Jones has in New England. Every time the game's close, no one has confidence he's going to be able to win the game. You do. And I think that's really important. And I think you should use this game as a measuring stick. You can't go this long without playing well. you got to kind of regroup yourself. But the mental toughness you're going to get out of this game is going to take you really a long way. And just know... There will not be a better defense than you're going to face in terms of pass rush, in terms of man-to-man coverageing, And the weather, it's probably not going to be any worse based on the wind. So learn from the game, move forward. Yeah, this next week at Minnesota, you're in a dome. You don't even worry about any weather. Step forward, step forward. No Mac Jones in the office today because in my mind, he is beyond repair at this point. Somebody who is is our guy Jalen Hurts, who had another uncharacteristic performance. Three interceptions for him in the Eagles' loss to the Jets. Uh, first time in franchise history that the Eagles have lost this matchup with New York. What does Hurts need to hear to improve, to regain the MVP thought process that we have had about Jalen Hurts? Well, I, I think, Jalen, what you have to kind of do is just not personalize it, right? Is You know this. You know, we're in the betting community and we understand that, you know, that there are times when when you're on the road, you haven't played your best. You're nine and 13 against the spread 
on the road since 2020. So you're going to have some of these days. You just can't make them worse, right? You just can't make them worse. You can't turn a pick, turn a pick over in the last two minutes. And you know this, we got to score in the second half. The, the, bigger, the biggest mistake we made in this game was our inability to score in the second half. If we put anything on the board, we're going to win the game. And I think you can get that back. But I really believe that this will be a learning experience for you as you go forward. And I think you should nail it down more on the road. I think there's something going on when you go on the road to have this kind of ATS number when you're a road favorite now. So I think ultimately that's something you can work on and you got to get the run game. And another thing I would really urge you to do is stay is try to avoid some of these hits. You're running the ball almost 10 times a game this year. Your numbers aren't as high. They're not, not as high as they were in 2021. And I think you got to be careful because remember last year you did get hurt. And if you get hurt with this offensive line, the way it's playing because of the injuries, that can be a problem for the team. So Look, the key for you is come out the second half, got to play faster, and we got to start playing better on the road. Yeah, I threw MVP out there. He probably would have and should have won MVP last year had he not been injured and missed those last couple of games of the regular season. Now, instead of Big Blue, it's been Big Bad for the New York Giants and Brian Dable in year two of his head coaching career after winning Coach of the Year a season ago, a one-in-five start for the Giants. They had two possessions at the goal line against the Bills, one at the end of the first half, one to close out the game, neither of which resulted in points for them. 0 for 5 in the red zone yesterday. What's different about this year and the coaching job for Brian Dable? What does he need to hear today? You know, Brian, I know you really well, and I feel like you're wearing your expectations on your sleeve. Like, I get a sense of desperation from you when I watch you coach, not cur- not cur- courage. Last year, I thought you were under control. I thought you had everything everything that you wanted was happening. And you were calm. Look, nobody can be like Belichick in terms of how you coach and the style. You have your own way of doing it. But what we could all learn from him is to understand that you have to think. And you have to be calm to think. And you can't overreact. And your behavior on the sidelines, to me, is a little bit too emotional. I feel like you expect the team because of where you were last year. You're kind of expecting it to get back there this year. Be a little bit more analytical. Take some time. Step away. You're trying to rush everything through. And now you're starting to yell at everybody and you look out of control. And the team looks to you. Every team looks to their head coach to see if he's under control, to see how he's behaving, to see how he's reacting. And when you panic, guess what happens? they panic and that's what I see and you can't do that you can't do that you got to stop that I know you want to get this turned around but it's not going to turn around with a win it's not going to turn around with a first down it's not going to turn around with a bad call it's going to turn around with consistency and I think you got to get that back I really do and I think you got to start behaving in a, in a more calm manner and think about the game not react to the game And whether this is reality or not, at least for me, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's playing the blame game a little bit too much. Like, I'm not the problem. You guys are the problem. Let's fix X, Y, and Z. Like, take a little bit more ownership on yourself and let's get this ship turned back around. How about Dion? I I, I kind of agree with you, Stormy. That's a great point because I think think the coach of the – I think it's gone – I said this about the Giants. They have that disease of me going on with them and I think a little bit of it is uh, there too I mean like I want coach of the year I know what I'm doing no wait a minute you have to prove yourself every year 
Every year you got to prove yourself. And you're, you're reacting not in the best interest of your team. How about Deion Sanders? They had a massive lead against the Stanford Cardinal this past weekend, led 29 to nothing entering the third quarter, end up losing in double overtime, 46-43, the 29-point comeback, the largest in Stanford football history and the worst loss, blowout, um, blown lead in Colorado's history. How can Coach Prime rally the troops? Because there was a lot of I and me in his press conference this week. Yeah, I, I think that's got to stop. I mean, you're now part of it. You're no longer just a franchise or a brand. You're part of the Colorado team and they're your teammates. And if you start to stalk I and them, no matter how popular, no matter how big your brand is, you're going to lose your leadership con- culture. And you can't do that. Look, here's the reality. You're going to need to learn these things as you go along. Nobody prepares himself to be a head coach until you're actually on the job. And I think ultimately you will learn. But you can't run tempo when you're up. Right? It's you're like... At some point during the game, you got to figure out who's the opponent. Is it the clock or is it Stanford? And so when you could slow the game down, you got to slow it down. I know it doesn't fit your style. I know it doesn't fit who you are. But I think sometimes we have to be more adaptive. And I think you should learn from this. I think you should embrace it. I think you should basically take it on your shoulders and say, look, that's on me. Because the coach loses a 29-point lead, not the players. We'll talk about that game a little bit more when Mike Pritchard, former Colorado alum, joins us as well. Last one here, Derek Carr threw for 353 passing yards, but the Saints offense only had 13 points against the Texans. He said postgame, the yards are great, but I couldn't care less. I just want to win. Well, they haven't dropped three of their last four games. What does Carr need to do differently to turn the stats into W's in the win column? Hey, Derek, you got to stop throwing checkdowns. Like, I mean, you say that the stats don't mean anything, but you're getting all these completions and they're not going anywhere. Like, we got to finish the game in the red zone. You got to make plays in the red zone. And when you get a chance to move around in the pocket and you're out of the pocket, you got to make a play. You just can't throw the ball away. Like, they're looking on you. They brought you in here to give them more juice in their offense. And frankly, what you're giving them is completions and no points. You're playing on a team that has a really good defense. So that whole excuse that you had your entire career in Las Vegas was, you know, you're a great player. All you need is to get with a great defense. Well, now you're with a great defense. They did a great job on C.J. Stroud. They gave him his first interception, even though they turned it back over on, on the fumble. They played well, stopped the run game, got you the ball back with a chance to win it. You got to stop throwing checkdowns. You got to make plays. That's what you get paid to do, make plays. And I have been the Derek Carr apologist in large part for that reason, for the defense that he has had in Vegas. You can't use that excuse anymore. Hit the nail on the head there, Michael. Great stuff, as always, with Step Into My Office. Sometimes people just need to hear those hard truths. Mike Pritchard might need to hear some hard truths about his Colorado Buffaloes as well. No, I'm just kidding you. We will get his breakdown, though, of that game, what to expect from them moving forward, as well as his takeaways from week six in the NFL. Looking forward to Pritch's points. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.